it's wonderful to have a goal, mm -hmm. but you don't want to postpone the joy until you reach the goal. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in that mindset of like, well, when I finally get that job, then I'll be happy. Or when right. I get that relationship, I'll be happy. Then what you've done is you set up a pattern of thinking that perpetuates itself. So once you get that job or you find that perfect romance or whatever it is, your mind automatically looks for the next goal to set. So you're always chasing after the joy, but not necessarily experience. Absolutely. That's so true. Oh my goodness. Welcome back to Scotland Talks. I'm your host, Anne Scotland. Thanks for joining me again today. And please do like and subscribe so we can keep this great content and great, great guests coming to you. Today I have with me Roger Leslie. He's an author, publisher, a writing coach, which is wonderful since I'm a writer. So I love talking to other writers, authors, and publishers. And uh, he's here here today to talk about a couple of his books and also give us a chance to get to know him and his work better. We're going to have some interesting conversations about spirituality. So stay tuned because I think you're going to love this. So welcome, Roger. Thank you, Anne. I'm glad to be here. Super glad to meet you. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this. So you're a busy guy. You wear a lot of hats, write a lot of books. Tell us just a little bit more about yourself and what you do from day to day. So my primary goal is being an author because since I was 13 years old, I knew that's what I wanted to do. But then in the process of making my own dream come true, I realized that I could help others achieve what I struggled for so long to do and help their journey be faster and easier. So Amazing. I am an editor, a writing coach, I'm a publisher, and I also teach classes that help people live the life they dream. Amazing. Wow, this guy's right at my alley. Like Those of you who watch regularly, you know, this is the kind of stuff I love to talk about. So I'm super excited. So we're going to talk about at least two of your books today. And the one I'm really itching to get to is Divine Destiny, because I know we're going to have a lot of fun talking about spirituality and how that interacts with our joy, which is what I talk about so much. Uh, but first, and I see there on your background as, as well, First Last Year, your book, My First Last Year. What is that about? So one of the most fascinating experiences I ever had, Anne, was I had a dream one night where I was told specifically, live the next 365 days as if you would never experience those calendar dates again. Now, when I first heard that in the dream, it scared me a little bit. It's like, is this telling me I'm about to die? But then the dream continued and the instructions continued and it said, write about the year as you live it. And then when it's done, publish that as a book and then teach others how to do the same. Wow. Wow. So what was this journey like? Where, I mean, were you journaling every day? I mean, what was, what was the, what did this look like? Well, it's phenomenal. So one of the biggest bits of advice I give people regularly is take inspiration to action. Mm. I used to be a teacher and librarian by profession. So there's a, there's a librarian side of my brain that's very organized and, you know, just structured. And so I had this dream in, on a November night. And so there was part of me that thought, but, you know, I'm only six weeks away from a new year. 
I could always start this on January 1st. And wouldn't that be a, a clean, neat way to do this? But I knew instinctively I needed to start it right away. So as soon as I woke up from the dream, I raced to my computer and I wrote down every detail as specifically as I could remember it. And then I started living my first last year that very day. Wow. So was this, um, so what were you watching for um, throughout your day? I, I my uh, viewers and listeners know I have a, a joy journal um, that is usually, it's a free gift. And in case you haven't seen it yet, it's annscotland.com forward slash joy journal to anyone who wants to check it out. And it's seven days of awareness around your joy, what, what brings it to you and what takes away your joy, your happiness. So was this a lot about creating new awareness over the course of your day or your week, or what was this looking like for you? It really had two different phases. One element of it was being spiritually awake. I needed to live day to day and really pay attention to what was happening. So rather than just always be in the mode of what am I going to accomplish next? What, what big goal can I, can I strive for in the future? I needed to realize if this is the last time I ever experienced this calendar date, what do mm -hmm. I want to do to make it a memorable day? Wow. So I needed to be really grounded and present. So it included a lot of meditating and prayer work and mm -hmm. a lot of spiritual work and mm -hmm. journaling. Mm -hmm. So that was one phase. The other phase was if I really only had one year to live, then there were certain things that I wanted to accomplish before I finished this life, and I had to get to them now. There was no more thinking, well, someday, or maybe I could, or there were no, there could be no indulgence in, indulgence in any of the limiting thoughts like, well, I don't have enough money, or I can't do this, or I don't know how. It's just like, if this is it, then I better get to it. And I dove right in and followed both of those, those phases. Being wow. present and going after what I wanted. So what was one of the first things? Um, well, let's let's go. Actually, I want to jump back to what you said about spirituality. So what was kind of um, what was that driving force in realizing that if you were, you know, going to live this year as if each day was your the last date of that month that you were going to enjoy life in this world? Um how did spirituality sort of, it sounds like it kind of rose to the top and, and, and why was that manifesting itself that way for you? For me, it's because I believe that life is an eternal journey. This is just one leg of the journey, but I don't want to just wait to get to the end of a final journey to think, wow, this is fulfillment. This is enlightenment. I want to have it now. I want to be building toward it and growing toward it now and be aware of what's happening because you know i've taught goal setting for a lifetime i used to be a classroom teacher i taught my students how to set goals when i teach my fly classes we talk about goal setting it's wonderful to have a goal mm -hmm. but you don't want to postpone the joy until you reach the goal mm -hmm. because when you're in that mindset of like well when i finally get that job then i'll be happy or when right. i get that relationship i'll be happy then what you've done is you set up a pattern of thinking that perpetuates itself. So once you get that job or you find that perfect romance or whatever it is, your mind automatically looks for the next goal to set. So you're always chasing after the joy, but not necessarily experiencing it. 
Absolutely. That's so true. Oh, my goodness. I was just uh, reading something this morning. Anyway, I won't even go there. That was talking about, um, yeah, always seeking and never becoming a finder. <laughs> um, the seeker is always seeking. But what about if you are programmed to just keep seeking indefinitely, then you never realize, you never find. So how, you know, how do we go about sort of rewiring ourselves to, and a lot of that has to do with, I believe, being present in the moment. And it sounds like that's partly what you were doing as you're writing this book. That was the foundation of it. Absolutely. I had to be present every single moment as much as I could. Yeah. And so that involved, as you talked about journaling, that involved journaling every day because I needed to be aware of what was happening, living in the moment, and then that night or the next morning, refresh my memory about what happened and how I felt, and then notice the impact it was having on, on my life and who I be, was becoming as a human being. Wow. And what was your biggest takeaway from this whole experience? So at the end of the year, let me ask you this, what was your biggest surprise if you had one? My biggest surprise was that when I was in a space of spiritual groundedness, it didn't matter what happened on this physical plane, I was fine. I faced mm. the deaths of some from people I love and adore during that year. Um, my dog, my beloved dog mm. died in my arms during mm. that year. Just really just devastating moments for me mm -hmm. as a person. Mm -hmm. But as a soul, I could watch that process unfolding and be perfectly fine seeing how things evolve and knowing that always, 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 we're always all right. Oh, okay. So now you're talking like one of my favorite authors. Oh, and her book is by my chair, so I can't reach it, which is... Um, the English uh, medieval mystic Juliana of Norwich, uh, who says, all is well and all shall be well and every little thing shall be well. I spent two years studying her work as I was writing my thesis on medieval women writers, um, among other women. But that message is literally become one of the most precious messages to me in my personal and spiritual experience. And you basically just said it in just a couple different words, you know, that as long as you're present in yourself and your spiritual self, that everything is really okay. Even separation, even death, even misfortune. Um, it's, it's not arriving above it, arising above it to a point where you don't, you become an unfeeling, you know, like robot. It's more, what would you call it? I would call it becoming an involved observer. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, I, what I perceive it to be is the opportunity to sense myself as a spiritual entity as well as a human being living this life. When you live that dual experience, you can continually stay in balance. Yeah. No, that's so, so true. Wow. So, and then, um, so that was your biggest surprise and or biggest takeaway. What, what else, what's the last thing you'd like to share about um, my first last year, your book? This is a perspective that will segue right into Divine Destiny. If, if 
that'll make it easier for you. Perfect. One, one, one suggestion I'd like to make to your listeners is I believe in something called the paradise perspective. And that is what if heaven were here right now and we just had to be awake to it? What mm. if this is the bliss of eternity that we could have right now unconditionally? Mm-hmm. If that were the case, and I wanted to live from that perspective, how different everything would seem. When I'm in the paradise perspective, all is well, and I know it. Yes, oh, so beautiful. Okay, so we'll transition, as you said, this seamlessly transitions into your other book, which is called Divine Destiny, and this is a conversation with God? It is. (laughs) Tell me about that. So I have, been a person who has prayed his entire life. And very often in my journals, I would write about what I was thinking and what I was what I was feeling. And over the years, my journaling transitioned into a dialogue with God. Wow. And instead of just writing about longhand writing about what I was going through, I would just start conversing with God and literally write it like a script. My journal mm-hmm. in certain mm-hmm. areas is just like God, colon, God says this, mm-hmm. me, colon, I say this. And it, it started from there. So I was just journaling about that. And I got the inspiration from the idea of the title, Divine Destiny. And I just began writing. And for those people who will read the book, you'll see it the, near the beginning The dialogue started and God said to me, you realize this is your next book. And I didn't until I was told that. It's like, oh, okay, then here we go. Perfect. Wow. Wow, that's so powerful and so beautiful. And so, yeah, you pulled me right in there where you said writing it like a script. So that appeals to the actress in me because I'm a classically trained actress and worked in Hollywood for about a decade and still have some agents. But um, and I already started seeing this, like how fantastic as a, a stage play condensed or so many other ways that this could be presented in this kind of conversation. And, and you know, and I know that, you know, and this in this show, we don't have a, we don't promote any particular line of spirituality, spirituality, religion, theology. My, my personal perspective is open and learning and growing and, and collecting what is resonating in my soul from a lot of different places. Um, but having this conversation with God, it reminds me so much having grown up Christian myself um, you know, of the psalmist, we call him the psalmist David, because so much of what he wrote, his poetry, if you want to call it, or his, it was really conversations with God, a lot of it. Um, and again, people are like, well, did you hear a voice? Well, there's that still small voice, right? And people, different people are going to call it different things. Someone's just going to call it universe or consciousness or, I have a problem with a God figure, but let's, I'm kind of, I can go with higher self or inner self or, right? So there's this, this ability to converse between others what people would say in the conscious or the super conscious or subconscious, depending on how you want to say that as well, right? How would you describe that? I think you, you nailed it. Okay. 
exactly the way I describe it. And I usually just call it spirit, or mm -hmm. if I'm going to be very general, I just call it life with a capital L. Ooh, I when like life that. tells me this, this is what I understand. And oh, I, yeah. I feel this very much the same way as you do. I use the word God just because mm -hmm. that's a word that's comfortable with me, mm -hmm. but I don't subscribe to any particular single religious theology. Mm -hmm. And in fact, my general philosophy, my mission in life is to inspire people to live the life they dream and to empower them to follow their own unique spiritual path. Mm. Beautiful. If that, in with a, if that ties in with a religion for someone, great. If it doesn't, that's equally great. I oh. think religion can be helpful, but it doesn't. It's not a necessary ingredient yes. for everyone. Yes. Oh, you're so speaking my language. <laughs> um, that is really exciting and so refreshing to hear because, um, and I don't know if, if how much you know about me, but I grew up in an extreme right wing, extreme, extreme right wing um, Christian environment. Um, you know, fearing the end of the world, wearing long dresses, growing our own food. Like this is how I grew up homeschooled until I was, you know, almost 16, um, very isolated. And so while there's a lot of beautiful messages that came through in the religion I was taught, as in almost every religion of the world, beautiful messages and a lot of similar messages and the fundamentals, right? Um, you know, I had to eventually start finding something that resonated in the real world and something that made sense. And I didn't feel like, you know, unless religion was, if religion was keeping us stuck in a cookie cutter, then why were we all made differently? Why do we all have different personalities? Why do we all look different? Why do we all behave differently? If we're different, if we are spiritual beings, which I believe we are, then this instrument has to be tuned to itself. A one Stradivarius violin cannot be tuned identically to another Stradivarius violin. It actually, there has to be fine tuning for each instrument. So encouraging people as I do and you do as well um, to seek spirit or their higher self or light or whatever that means in the way that resonates with them and the way that opens things up for them instead of shutting things down and closing the walls in. Now, to me, that's good news. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. It's about the opening. It's always opening, opening. And that is the key, I think, for me, especially in meditation. My purpose for meditating is to be as, as open a channel as I can mm. for whatever spiritual flow is happening through me, in me, mm. and around Mm, so beautiful. So how did your experience, let's say you're in meditation, evolve or change over the, over, you know, writing Divine Destiny? Part of the struggle I had was personifying God as something not me. Mm -hmm. because the part of the spiritual journey is realizing the merging of who we are as an individual mm -hmm. and who we are as part of what I call the also. Mm -hmm. So it's like the drop of the ocean and the ocean, you know, mm -hmm. the drop mm -hmm. of the ocean has all the qualities of the ocean, but in the ocean, the, the drop can do much more because it's in unison with the energy and the movement of the tide. Mm -hmm. So what I learned it was helpful for me 
to separate the human me from what I perceive as a God thought mm-hmm. so that I could have this dialogue. Mm-hmm. But then it was also important for me eventually to move past that and realize that both of those were parts of me. Mm-hmm. And that the soul is not necessarily separate from the human me, but you know, there was always that issue I had with God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy <laughs> spirit. And, you know, they were sort of interchangeable. You know, I worked with that as a kid, a lot of like, mm-hmm. well, how is this working? But the more <laughs> I work on that in myself, I realize, Oh, well, there's the spiritual me, there's mm-hmm. the human me. And then there's that energy of all of it together, mm-hmm. which can, you can individualize the pieces, but then it becomes something more. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yes. And that's how I began to understand from a different level mm-hmm. how moving beyond personifying God as something or some entity outside of me that's going to teach me or help me mm-hmm. or guide me and realizing it is part of me mm-hmm. helped me access more of what I was capable of creating. Oh, absolutely. Wow, there was so much in there and it's so profound that I'm still like absorbing it because it was just beautiful. But um, yeah, I really resonate with that. You know, we're, we're not separate. Um, it is all one. And even the, even the conscious you that might be asking the subconscious or the superconscious you is still, it's all divine spark. I mean, if we're all one, if science tells us that, you know, on a molecular and quantum level, we're all everything, us, this desk, this computer, the outside, the trees, the birds, the animals, the stars, the universe, if we're really all one, then that's one of the first things to help us remember how not alone we are. And it's only really our our emotions or our beliefs or thought patterns that kind of keep us feeling isolated, isolated, isolated. It's like, no, you're just part of something so much bigger. Um, today, was it, um, I've read so many things today. Today I was reading, oh, now I can't remember who that was either. Anyway, uh, I was talking about the tree and the leaf and just basically like if the leaf says, oh, I'm an individual entity <laughs> and I'm here fluttering, doing my own thing, I don't really need the tree. You know, if I fall off the tree, I'm still a leaf. Um, But really, it's all still part of the tree. (laughs) So, you know, kind of these are those fun and crazy uh, questions that can be so interesting to discuss. And some people are like, okay, over the top, too much. (laughs) But it is fun. And, And for those people who have that deep desire to understand how we fit in and what our purpose is, and how we can find that joy. How can you live in the moment in a way that is a sense of joy and relief or even acceptance to a certain degree um, and not just constantly living in fear or emotional mental suffering and, and, and just being able to be okay for everything to be well, right? Absolutely. And the thing is, it is always all well. Yeah. Circumstances might be beyond our control in some cases, but that doesn't mean things are not all well and not evolving exactly as they need to be for the highest good for everyone. Yes, absolutely. 
it's easy to lose track of that when we stay too much in just the physical, mental, mm -hmm. and emotional worlds. But if we keep moving through and into that spiritual realm, we get to see that. We get to watch the world unfold as, in a curious rather than a threatened way. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a great place to be. Yes, because even when you see um, tragedy, when you are a, a spectator of tragedy, uh, you have the opportunity to help, to heal, to support. But you don't have to suffer as deeply when you're observing and you notice that like the ocean or anything else, so there's these ebbs and flows of everything that it's, it's, you know, if, if we really true all are in some form or another vibration and we're in waveform or movement, like nothing can be completely static, nothing in the universe, not a single thing, not a thing is, is static at the smallest level. So, you're going to expect things to have good days and bad days, and you're going to expect there to be tragic wars, and you expect there to be beautiful reunions, and you're going to expect fine weather and bad weather, and, and you can kind of watch it, but you don't have to be taken up and then dashed on the rocks over and over again. You know, you can still feel, right? You still have a heart, um, but you don't have to... I would say confront despair as often. Yes, yes. Okay. And I think a key to that, and one thing I learned from God in my dialogue with God in Divine Destiny, was that what creates that sense of separation or loss or sadness or frustration is judgment. Mm -hmm. When I judge something as good or bad, I'm limiting it. If Pretty I just experience for it for what it is, without creating an opinion about it, mm -hmm. then suddenly I can immerse myself in it and learn from it and realize what a blessing it is. Yes. I think that, I think it's in my book. If not, it's on my Twitter feed, but <laughs> where I talk about, um, you know, finding peace is, um, learning to stop resisting it's to not resist what is but to just become aware of what is to observe what is instead of resisting it again kind of that observer now the observer can step into action um but when you're observing so when we watch tv if you watch a dramatic movie you're probably going to be emotionally affected either in one way or another um but you know that you can't step into the movie and change the movie in most cases. <laughs> right? um, so, but in life, you can, you can step in and you can step out, step in, step out. And I think that's one of the great gifts that meditation teaches us is the ability to step in and out into those sort of different levels of consciousness. And it's such an incredible practice because then you don't always have to be drug into every little piece of drama going on in the people around you. <laughs> and, a, and a great question that I ask myself when I am emotionally or mentally affected by something, I ask myself, am I being called to action to do something about mm. this? Mm -hmm. If I am, then it's my obligation mm -hmm. to move into action. Mm -hmm. If I'm not, then I need to learn how to get well enough with it so mm -hmm. that I can let that go and realize this is not my mission. Mm -hmm. I need to continue being faithful to my own mission. There are other people who are on their mission in this lifetime too, 
who are resolving what I think is an injustice or mm -hmm. an, an unfortunate circumstance. Mm -hmm. it, it frees me up from, so I'm not brooding about something. Yes. I can either say I'm called to action because this is my mission to do or think whatever spiritual energy is out there, that there are other people whose calling is to tend to that. Yes. While I tend to what I'm doing from, from my part of this equation. And seeking or asking or however you want to describe that for clarity around that. Like, is this something, because otherwise, you know, people with big hearts often suffer the most because you constantly feel pulled to do a million different things in a million different environments and you feel guilty for not helping this over here because you don't have time, you can only help this here. And it's just like this burden of the world and kind of a savior complex, to be quite honest, this idea that somehow I'm responsible for all the suffering I see in the world and I should be able to fix it, which one sadly isn't true. But also, um, if I get stuck in that cycle, I literally begin to suffer from the that weight of all of that pressure, all of that unhappiness that we see. And then I'm just increasing the level of suffering and misery in the world, not diminishing it. I'm just actually adding to it. If you think of it as a haystack, you just keep yeah. adding a piece to the top. It's like every time I allow myself to get depressed over something that is beyond my control, that I have no ability to intervene on, or I know that's not my calling, I'm losing the joy I have inside me to bring light and life to other people that day because I'm going to be no good to myself or others, right? If I keep laying on every piece and just saying, oh, if I don't feel guilty or miserable about XYZ news in the world, um, I'd be a bad person. Yes. I, and I think one exercise that might help your viewers tremendously if they don't already have this is to, to decide what their mission in their life is and be very clear and specific about the verb they use. That verb makes gives you all the power and frees you up from doing other things. For example, when I talked about my mission is to inspire and empower. Mm -hmm. Now, there are many ways to do that, but those are my actions. I'm here to mm -hmm. inspire and empower. Mm -hmm. So if your job, if you feel your mission is to educate, to enlighten, mm -hmm. to ease, to fix, it could be mm -hmm. any number of things. Mm -hmm. but once you know what that is, then if there's something that's calling for some other action, if it's not the action you've chosen for your mission, then you know, that's probably not for me to do. Mm -hmm. Now, if it keeps mm -hmm. touching your heart consistently, you might, it may, it may be time to revise your mission. Sure. But if you know your verb, if you pick mm -hmm. that verb and you're really specific and clear about it, wow. When you know where you are, you know, when you know your yes, it's mm -hmm. easy to say no to everything else. Yes. Oh, and that's such a brilliant way of putting it. Such a brilliant brilliant. So it's really you're being really clear on your vision and purpose. Uh and then knowing what to accept and what not to, which is, you know, most of us, you have to learn that as we, as we go along by trial and error. And probably everyone does to a certain extent, but to have a tool like that where you can say, yes, you know, does this support it or doesn't it? If it doesn't, you know, I, even in the business world, they use similar approaches, obviously, which is, you know, even for companies, you know, mission or vision statement. And, oh, does this new product that they're proposing support it? 
well, it's a cool product, but it's sort of off in left field and it's going to divert funds and time and energy. And maybe no, it doesn't fit, you know, and somehow it seems less personal when, you know, as a company making that decision, when it's like, huh, boy, they want me to come volunteer at XYZ and they're such a great organization. But I'm also trying to finish this book, which is being written for a very specific audience to give them encouragement and motivation or, you know, what you said, you know, whether it's to empower, inspire. Um, yeah, I can't do everything in every for everyone. So I think I'm going to have to stick with the one that just feels right and not, I think, be driven by guilt you know, um, part of living in the moment is to work for freedom from guilt of the past or guilt of, you know, certain, you know, like, oh, people are going to judge me or think badly of me if I do this or I do that. Um, But even guilt for good things, I think people forget to talk about, like, I really, you know, they want me to volunteer three nights a week over at What's the Place. And you have so many other things that are really important that are really part of your mission. And you're like, oh, I feel so bad. But we don't have to feel bad because if you have that clarity, you can just make a choice and know that all is being done for the greater highest good. And everyone can serve food at that place those three nights a week. Anybody can do it. I could do it. But only I can write this book that's almost done. (laughs) So I'm going to have to make a choice and I'm going to just be fine with that, right? Absolutely. You know, when I teach some of my personal growth workshops and the, the fly workshops, I, uh, you know, some, uh, an issue that many people at all different ages from all different backgrounds have is they say, well, you know, I don't really know what my passion is. I really don't know what my purpose is. And my recommendation is, and this brings it right back to your show, what brings you joy? Mm-hmm. If it brings you joy, that's part of the mission. Absolutely. And if you, if it, brings you enough joy that you continue to want to do it through eternity, that's yours. That's so beautiful. That's and what I love about writing yeah. because I've been a writer since I was 13. And one thing I that sustains my passion for writing is it, it can't be perfected. Every, yes. With every book, I get a <laughs> no, little bit But then I can reread a book that – you know, that I wrote five years ago and think, oh, I, I, I could do this better now. Mm-hmm. That's a great sign. Yes. Yes. And I'm still at that stage where there's, there's always more to learn. There's always a new space to grow. You can't perfect writing. You can get as good as you can be at this moment, but then you just have to let it go and release it to the world and let it do what it's going to do and then move on to the next book. Yeah. And with every book, you hopefully can get better and make it still your joy and it's still your joy it's still your joy so you're like okay so writing books so maybe this one was you know something early book yeah you know but you have to think you were that was in the present moment then and you know we can only do our best in the moment with the tools and experience we have um but but you still love writing, right? That's like brings you so much joy. So finding those things that really resonate with you and, and even myself in my own company, in my own business, I'm constantly fine tuning and adjusting. It's like, where does that fit where it's so much less like work and so much more in flow 
where it's that kind of beautiful effortlessness of knowing that you're doing exactly what you were made to do, as opposed to having an idea about something over here that you want to prove to someone or someone's, oh, if I work really hard, I can do this abstract thing. And then, you know, fighting up creek for however many days, months, years it is, and getting nowhere, and then being like, okay, I guess I should just stop, you know, like pursuing this, this idea and usually has something to do with impressing people or making good on what family expected of you or ego or some, you know, popularity or something that's probably outside of who you really are in your person and your soul. If you're actually being honest with yourself, is this the thing that would really bring me joy? Or do I just want to prove that I checked that box? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And you know, to bring us back to a point we made earlier, about delaying your joy and being motivated early in my writing career, long before I was ever published, because I wrote for many years before I finally found a publisher and got some of my books out. Um, I always dreamed about the moment that that first box of books would arrive at my door and I would be able to open it and then see and hold and smell and just have that visceral experience of just touching a published book that I had created. Mm-hmm. And when I finally had that experience with my first book, it was glorious. <laughs> and it was also fleeting. That's when, that's when I realized I couldn't be delaying my joy for those few moments every time. Yes. That the joy had to be in the process because there have been some books that I've been working on for 10 to 15 years Yeah. while I'm writing other books. So I'm, you know, yep. I'm usually working on multiple books. Yep. So the joy is in the journey. Yes. Getting to the top of the mountain can be glorious. And when you get there, good for you. Congratulations. I think that's phenomenal. But the joy is what you become and what you learn and how you develop in the process of taking every little step. And when I lived my first last year and I was trying to be spiritually present, that's when I realized this step today, this moment is every bit as important as that huge leap I take when something really phenomenal happens and the whole world can say, wow, look what he did. Yes. Every little moment, (laughs) every little moment is just as important as every other. So beautiful. And I can see that so clearly, you know, having also been in in the world of TV and film and acting, so many people living for that big break or whatever that is on the always on the horizon, never quite there. But you know, whenever you get to when I'm a hiker, I love the mountains, I love hiking in the mountains. And you know, most of the time when you get to the top of a mountain, what do you see? More mountains. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's not like in most cases, unless I did climb Mount Rainier and Mount Whitney, but in most cases, you haven't risen above the clouds and you see nothing. <laughs> so it's sort of like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's not always cracked up what it's cracked up to be or, or it's fleeting as opposed to, wow, I got to walk through this beautiful rainforest at the bottom and, you know, it rained and like, what did that smell like? What did that feel like? How amazing were the creatures I saw and the birds I I heard and like the people I was able to talk to and you know that's the joy and um, I say you know there's there's satisfaction and an accomplishment but it's different from 
just living in your joy in every present moment. Yes. Yeah. But it's part of a whole equation because having a goal and pursuing a goal is part of that whole joy cycle. Mm -hmm. you know, if you didn't pursue the top of the mountain True. and you just sort of hung around, right. you, could, you could enjoy your life okay, sure. I can imagine. But how much more you can enjoy when you are not only enjoying the present moment and living it, but knowing that this present moment is leading to something bigger and better. Yes. Where yes. you will need to be someone bigger and better to reach mm -hmm. the pinnacle that you're seeking. And having that goal, that vision, that mission, whatever you want to call it and the goals that lead up to it. Yes, that's what draws us forward, what pulls us forward. And sometimes the goal can change. But if we hadn't had one at all, we wouldn't have stepped foot out of the car at the bottom of the mountain to get started. You know, what if you yes. get halfway up and someone offers you a, a, a helicopter ride to the top? <laughs> Maybe you say yes. <laughs> Maybe you say no, thank you. <laughs> like options do present, present themselves. There are forks in the trail. There are multiple peaks, right? So, but setting that intention and moving in that direction um that's what makes life fulfilling but it's not yeah. like we're waiting to enjoy life until we get there it's the journey itself even the anticipation of getting there is part of that journey right that's all little bits and pieces of the joy but not in the destination as so many people have said and um it's not just in the destination. Oh my goodness. Well, Roger, time has just flown. I mean, we went over already and we're just having so much fun and didn't want to stop. So hopefully we can talk again sometime because this has just been such a delight. And um, I want to remind everyone again, this is Roger La Leslie. He's an author, a publisher. He's a writing coach. He's been writing since he was 13. You can check out his books on his website, including um, the book we books we talked about today, which is my first last year and also Divine Destiny. And Roger, give us the URL to your website again. It's just my name, Roger Leslie, R-O-G-E-R-L-E-S-L-I-E.com. Excellent. And we'll put that here in the notes as well. So I hope you all add your comments, um, any questions you might have, whether you're watching this or on one of the audio platforms. And please continue to like and subscribe so that we can keep this coming to you. And just thanks again, Roger. Any parting thoughts to share with everyone today? I want to thank you for creating so much joy. I have had the best time here. And I know when I'm enjoying myself and you are in the process of creating that for me, that it is just spreading to all of your listeners mm. and bringing them into the circle and helping mm. them raise up and giving their creative minds ideas about, wow, what do I want to do? How am I going to do this for myself as well? So thank you for leading the way. Oh. Thank you. And, and thank you. And great creative wishes to you and to everyone else out there. Go creating something. And that's part of being in your best self, in your personal journey, in your spiritual journey, and wishing you an amazing day of joy. Please come back next week and visit me with me again on Scotland Talks. Thank you. And we'll see you then.